Hi, I'm Pastor Adam, and you're listening to the Orange United Methodist Sermon Podcast. We're a church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, that wants to help you find your place in God's story, and we hope that this sermon will guide you along that journey. Visit orangemethodist.org for more information about location, service times, upcoming events, and ways to give. We hope you enjoy. Thanks be to God, indeed. Let us pray. Almighty God, may our hearts burn within us as we have heard your scripture read and as we hear your word proclaimed. Amen. Good morning, church. I am Pastor Corey, the associate minister here at Orange, and we are so grateful that God has called you to worship with us this morning. We pray that wherever you are, that through this time you might more deeply discover your place in God's unfolding story. Since Easter, we have been uh, exploring a sermon series entitled Beyond the Tomb. And beginning on Easter, Pastor Adam shared with us Mary Magdalene's encounter with the risen Lord. And then last week, he discussed the encounter the disciples have with Jesus and how Jesus encourages them to go and make disciples and that Jesus will be with us always through the power of the Holy Spirit. A few weeks ago, Pastor Brad talked to us about Thomas and his encounter with Jesus and how God is bigger than any doubt or question we could have. And this week, we're going back a little bit. We're going, we're returning to Easter with the story that you may know, the road to Emmaus in Luke's gospel, and it is the story of Cleopas and his companion and a stranger who joins them, but that we know is not a stranger. We get to find out at the very beginning that this stranger is actually Jesus. We find out, the audience, that it is Jesus in verse 15, but Cleopas and his companion don't discover that fact until verse 31. So they journey for 16 verses in what lies between our knowing and their knowing is, a, is the journey that they take and that I pray we take and take and retake. It's the journey between lost hope, lost dreams, resentment, even anger, and an encounter with our risen Lord. This passage has been stuck in my head like a song for the last few weeks, and I just can't get it out of my head. Every time I have a moment to myself, or even as I've been on Zoom calls and in meetings, this story wants to speak, and it's reminded me how God so desperately wants to speak to us and how God so desperately wants us to listen. When I read this story, it feels far away from Easter, as Cleopas and his companion are leaving Jerusalem, their heads hanging low, they're full of sadness, and we find out in just a few verses that these two Jewish believers had hoped that Jesus was the one to redeem Israel. And while now it seems that he's not. And so they return to their village, Emmaus, which about seven miles from Jerusalem, a two or three hour walk. But we aren't far from Easter. And actually, they leave Jerusalem 
on Easter. What happens in the preceding passage is the Easter story. Cleopas and his companion are part of the group that the women return to when they've gone to the tomb and realized that Jesus isn't there, that in fact he is alive. But most of their group thought that the women were just making it up, that it was an idle tale. And so these two, believing that to be the truth, pack up their things and head home. They just couldn't believe it for themselves. And as they walk, a stranger approaches them and asks, what are you talking about? They don't know that this stranger is no stranger. Luke simply says their eyes were kept from recognizing him. We don't know if it's grief that blurred their vision or perhaps uh, distraction. But as I've thought about this story And as Christians have thought about this story since it was written, how could you not recognize someone you know? And then it struck me this week. I went to one of our members' homes to drop off one of our gratitude signs, and I was wearing my mask. And the mom knew I was on my way, and so when I hopped out of the car, she greeted me and knew it was me, but her daughter, who's in our youth group, was further up in the yard and She didn't know I was coming, and she did not recognize me. She stood confused until her mom said, it's Pastor Corey, and she quickly came and greeted me, and we chatted and caught up, but she did not recognize me at first. It is rarely as simple as it seems. There are so many reasons why the disciples may not have recognized Jesus They weren't expecting him. They watched him die on the cross. He wouldn't, he couldn't be walking on the road with them. But when the stranger does ask, what are you talking about? They don't straighten up and give a nice answer. Oh, oh, nothing, just, you know, about our day. They actually tell this stranger the truth. And this is shocking to me because They don't know where this stranger falls on the Jesus spectrum. Jesus has just been crucified, and he's perceived as a pretty dangerous guy. And as we've read in the scriptures, the disciples were pretty fearful for what that meant in their own lives. But for some reason, they they tell him not only that Jesus of Nazareth was killed, handed over by the chief priests, but they also say, We had hoped he was the one to redeem Israel and that there were some women from our group who saw that he was no longer in the tomb and believed he'd risen and they returned to our group to tell us. They confess that they're part of this Jesus movement. Now these two had heard the good news at least once that day, maybe twice from the women who returned in from the other disciples, even Peter, perhaps, but they couldn't quite believe it themselves. They were still in a place of had hoped he was the one. Easter was not Easter for them. I think one of the most incredible parts of this story is that we know the stranger is Jesus, but They don't. And at any point along the road, Jesus could have said, 
it's me. I'm here. Please, you look so sad. It's me. Don't. Stop being sad. I'm here. I'm here. But that's not what Jesus does. Jesus doesn't offer them a quick fix. Instead, Jesus wants a relationship. Jesus wants to engage them. Jesus wants to be part of their conversation. Wherever they are on the road, whether they're the women at the tomb or Peter and they believe that he's risen, or if they are on the journey from Emmaus, from Jerusalem to Emmaus, or even if they're part of the mob, Jesus wants to be there. He is there even if we don't have eyes to see. We had hoped he was the one. Those words filled with such sadness and vulnerability, they are risky words offered to this person who could have said, wow, that is one crazy tale. Or could have said, yeah, that's a bummer. He's not who you thought he was. They risk so much in telling him that. But something within him says, something within themselves says, you, you can trust this person. And later we find out it's a burning within them. And when we think about fire, we think about burning, we're, we're called to think of the Holy Spirit. And I believe it's the Holy Spirit that is within them that tells them he is safe. Maybe you've met somebody along your journey who you just immediately connected with that you could bear your very soul to. So they tell him this story, the story of Jesus of Nazareth. And after, the stranger answers abruptly. And he tells them this history of salvation. He gives them a history lesson, which isn't typical Jesus. Jesus is a parable kind of guy. But in this moment, he recaps the story of salvation as laid out in the scriptures, beginning with Moses. And there's something about hearing a story that you've forgotten. Several of the theologians I've encountered over the years have talked about how memory rekindles hope. Memory rekindles hope, that going back and retelling a story or re-watching a movie or rereading a book, that reliving the events in some way, it ignites a spark within us that says, oh yeah, that was once true and it can be true again. I'm sure there's some Duke or UNC fans who've rewatched a championship game and said, it was true once. It can be true again. Memory rekindles hope. And just as Jesus finishes reminding them of this story, they arrive to Emmaus. And the stranger acts as if he's going on. But remember, Cleopas and his companion are followers of Jesus, and even though they haven't had their Easter moment, they still remember the things he taught them. They remember that he said, welcome the stranger. And so they do. They offer this one hospitality and invite him to stay with us. And as they sit down at the table, the stranger takes the bread. He blesses it. 
He breaks it and he gives it to them. And it's at that moment that their eyes are opened. What you've done to the least of these, you've done to me. The stranger is their savior, and the one they invited in as a guest has become the very host. They have their Easter moment right there in their own home. They encounter the risen Lord for themselves in the quietness of their home over what they thought was going to be a simple meal. How fitting for where we find ourselves right now. These two don't encounter the risen Lord at the tomb or on the road, but in their home. They'd been told by the women. They'd been reminded by the stranger. Those witnesses prepared them, but those witnesses couldn't see for them. They discover the risen Lord in the presence of this stranger, and I think of the places we may be discovering the risen Lord in our own lives right now. Where have you seen Jesus alive? I've seen Jesus alive this week, and Folks dropping off food for backpack buddies to feed those who are hungry. I've encountered the risen Lord in a a note of thanksgiving that was sent to me from a woman whose father's funeral service I did last summer, saying how we were once strangers and we're now friends. I saw Jesus in a video that Marcella Twomley sent me this week showing two-year-old Lydia standing and pulling, almost standing at the coffee table and pulling down toys, knowing that just one year ago she was still in inpatient rehab after battling meningitis. She sent one to me right now before worship showing Lydia watching the screen. I've seen Jesus this week in the signs that you've picked up to show support and gratitude and offer prayer. I see it in the folks for whom your signs offer gratitude and prayer who continue to work. I saw Jesus in the woman at Target who after talking about our lives asked me to pray for her when she found out I was a pastor. I see Jesus in the small groups and Sunday schools we have where even in the midst of lost hope, resurrection speaks These moments, they make my heart burn, just like the two companions who see Jesus in the stranger, and they tell one another, weren't our hearts burning within us while he was walking with us and opening the scripture before us? Where is Jesus' presence burning within you? When has it burned within you? Where have you encountered the risen Lord this week or even this morning, are our eyes open? This story is remarkable for many reasons. And one is that Jesus, is van- Jesus vanishes immediately from their sight once they recognize him as the risen Lord. And he does this in other places in scripture. But that burning, that promise of the Holy Spirit, it remains with them and with us always. Pastor Adam and I had the amazing opportunity to talk with 
Bishop uh, Will Willimon and Bishop Hope Morgan Ward this week about witness, about telling our story of encountering the risen Lord. And this story, the road to Emmaus, is a story about witness. Because I don't think we're ever going to argue someone into being a Christian or argue them into believing in Jesus. But instead, what Bishop Willimon and Bishop Ward, their wisdom reminded me of, is that this story has power when we recount what God has done in our lives and what God can do. It rekindles hope in ourselves and in other people when we tell our stories of how we've encountered Jesus. And I do believe our witness offers hope to others and even to ourselves that we can behold and experience the risen Lord on this journey. We can cling to that Easter promise. Thank God for the women at the tomb, for their witness to Cleopas and his companion, because it opened their world wider. Even if they hadn't seen the risen Lord for themselves yet, it revealed the possibility. And even in their hopelessness, there was still the witness of hope. And sometimes that is all we have. We need the stranger to come to us and to remind us of the story we have known, but for some reason we can't, or maybe we can't see or believe anymore. But friends, once we possess that witness, once those words have been written on our own hearts, we're called to share them with others on their road to Emmaus those who may have never heard it or those who need to be reminded of it. I remember coming across a story many years ago about a couple who were very active members in their church. They attended worship regularly. They participated in Bible study. They served on committees. They were active. And they endured a tragedy when their young son died and the church mourned with them, and the pastor visited and prayed with them. And eventually, the couple made their way back to church. But when they came back, the pastor noticed that they didn't stand for the Apostles' Creed, and they didn't speak the Lord's Prayer, and they didn't even sing the hymns. And after weeks of this, the pastor started to get a little worried and began to take it a little personally. And so one Sunday after church, she asked them, you know, I notice you're not praying or singing. Is everything okay? And they took a moment and then they said, well, you see right now, we just can't pray and we can't sing. It's just too hard. But pastor, you can. Our church can, and so we need you to sing and pray and to tell us the story until we can once again. And then we will sing and we will pray and we will tell others who can't. Wherever you find yourself on the road to Emmaus, Maybe you're the reader today, and you know from the very beginning, it's Jesus. Maybe you're Cleopas, 
and his companion pacing between lost hope and an encounter with the risen Lord. Maybe you are the stranger coming alongside someone else to remind them of the story so they can experience it for themselves. Take heart, church, even if Easter doesn't always feel like Easter. It didn't for Cleopas and his companion, but Jesus still walks with them. Jesus still walks with us whether we can see him or not. And I pray that if you find yourself in that space this morning, that you might feel a burning in your heart, an openness in your soul that longs toward an invitation that invites Jesus not only to be the guest, but to become the very host. Retell the story if you know it. Listen if you need to hear it. But keep walking. Keep journeying. May you encounter the risen Lord, and may Easter find you this day, another day, or even every day of your Emmaus Road. Amen. Friends, this morning, we recognize the ways that God has poured into our lives when we knew it and even when we didn't. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Please join us again next week. In the meantime, you can find us online once again at orangemethodist.org. Thank you.